0: Mounties get a new deal that comes with a big surprise.
1: This is a big hit on our budget uh, at a time when uh, we can ill afford it.
0: How some BC cities are on the hook for millions in RCMP
2: back pay. Calls for a cover-up. We're balancing the inconvenience of we continuing to wear a mask against potentially life and death consequences.
3: Why B.C.'s Human Rights Commissioner wants the return of the mask mandate.
2: And
0: help for Ukrainian refugees. We're preparing ourselves for single women, grandparents with grandchildren. The biggest barriers preventing them from resettling in B.C.
4: You're
5: watching Global B.C., this is Global News Hour at 6.
3: Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC taxpayers could soon be on the hook for a huge bill involving retroactive pay owed to the province's RCMP officers.
0: Officers ratified their first ever collective agreement last year and it includes pay hikes that go back to 2017. As Katherine Urquhart reports, the total cost here in BC is expected to run into
6: the hundreds of millions of dollars. Members of the RCMP ratified their first collective agreement last year. Now local and provincial governments are receiving bills in the millions to cover retroactive pay.
1: There's going to be uh, a retroactive payment of about nine to 10 million dollars uh, and that goes back to 2017.
6: Surrey, home to Canada's largest municipal RCMP force, will foot the largest bill, estimated at a staggering $46.62 million. The city says it did not have a role in negotiating the agreement, and the federal government does not take into account a city's ability to pay. Also impacted many smaller communities, like Quenelle.
7: Our retroactive dollars will be $834,000 dollars. Um, We are a community of just over 10,000 people. Um, You look at a mid-sized community like North Cowagin, for example, they will be getting a bill
6: that's going to be over a million dollars BC's 2020 Police Resources report shows there are 65 municipal services with more than 4,000 members. Provincial services have another 2,600 members, so retro pay is owed to an estimated 6,600 members. Richmond's mayor says they set aside funds, but not enough, noting that retro payments and annual pay raises will have a significant impact.
1: This is a big hit on our budget. Uh, at a time when uh, we can ill afford it. And so we're looking for some uh, compensation and some help going forward.
6: The Union of BC Municipalities says it has been calling on the federal government to absorb the retroactive pay costs, but so far have been ignored. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
3: And yeah, we've got some breaking news to share with you now from Langley, where police are on the scene of an apparent homicide.
6: Let's take a look at some video taken
0: just moments ago by Global One. Langley RCMP say there's a crime scene at 74 B Avenue and 208th Street in the Willoughby area. You can see investigators and a tent on that empty lot. IHIT confirming it has a team on site, but so far has provided no other details.
3: For several weeks now, we've brought you stories about stranger attacks and crime in Vancouver. Now City Councilor Melissa DiGenova is bringing forward a motion to address public safety issues in the downtown core. And as Grace Key tells us, DiGenova believes a yes vote is the first step to restoring peace and safety.
8: On any given day, there are four reported unprovoked assaults in the city of Vancouver. On New Year's Eve, a man lunges at a 22-year-old woman walking in front of the Hotel Georgia, pushing her to the ground. In January, police arrest a man for repeatedly stabbing a 25-year-old Mexican tourist from behind as he was standing in line at a downtown Tim Hortons. In February, a 38-year-old man allegedly attacked five women in a 40-minute crime spree, at one point grabbing broken glass and chasing a woman throughout an apartment building. And on Sunday, a 26-year-old man wanted on a mental health act warrant was arrested after allegedly sucker-punching an 18-year-old exchange student
4: walking down the street. Any incident like this is extremely concerning to have yet another um, seemingly random and unprovoked stranger assault in the city on an 18-year-old girl who's just walking around downtown uh, is incredibly unnerving. And I'm
2: wondering how right now...
8: With NPA our... Vancouver City Councillor Melissa DeGenova is bringing forward a motion that calls on an action plan for public safety.
9: What is it that we can do here immediately, but in the long term also, to plan for public safety? And the city has a role in that. There are ways, for example, like lighting, um, certain policies, uh, things that we can do with CCTV cameras even. Um, I'm not presupposing what those should be. I'm
8: hoping that the public will have input for us. The motion would allow residents, businesses and various organizations to voice their concerns during a special meeting of council. It also calls on the Vancouver Police Department to work with city staff to come up with an action plan and report to council no later than June.
9: This is not an issue that is going to be solved at one level of government and I think that across the organizations, that's when we hear from everyone together and perhaps we can at least put into place and implement some actions that will make our city safer.
8: Council is expected to be voting on the motion on Wednesday. Grace Key, Global News.
0: A strong BC connection to a major international drug bust announced in Winnipeg today. RCMP have announced charges against 22 people. They include prominent BC Hells Angel Damian Ryan and two Burnaby residents. Project Divergent also saw the seizure of more than 150 kilograms of cocaine, meth and fentanyl, numerous handguns and assault-style rifles, and more than $445,000 cash. And police are still searching for two suspects who may be in B.C., 24-year-old Lower Mainland resident Dennis Ivziku and 30-year-old Kiefer Michael Kramer of Winnipeg. The four year long investigation involved the infiltration of drug gangs and included police agencies from as far away as Colombia and Greece.
3: The indoor mask mandate was rescinded more than two weeks ago now, but BC's Human Rights Commissioner is calling for it to be reinstated to protect the most vulnerable. She believes it could be the difference between life and death. Kylie Stanton shows us why.
10: Running to the store to pick up a few groceries is something many take for granted. But more than two weeks since the mask mandate was lifted for indoor public spaces, not everyone is breathing a sigh of relief. This is a balancing act.
2: We're, we're balancing uh, the inconvenience of we're continuing to wear a mask
10: against potentially life and death consequences or serious illness consequences for those who are most, most vulnerable. In an open letter, the B.C. Human Rights Commissioner is calling on the provincial government to reinstate the mask mandate. She says, quote, while many
11: of us have the good fortune to simply move on with life, thousands of British Columbians will be left behind because of their age, disability or other protected characteristics under B.C.'s Human Rights Code. What is the Premier's
12: response to the Human Rights Commissioner?
5: Of course it is a balance.
10: Minister Adrian Dix says the province is simply following the evidence.
5: The guidance continues to be to advise people to wear a mask in dark public spaces. It's just changed in an important way. It's not uh, the law. It's not a legal requirement.
10: But advocates say vulnerable populations don't really have the luxury of making that choice.
6: They have to really think, you know, uh, is it worth possibly getting COVID and risking my life for the life of someone that I live with at home that um, is at real
10: risk. Lindsay Locke's 12-year-old daughter is immunocompromised. The decision to send her back to school without a mandate in place has only added to an already stressful situation.
6: You're just disproportionately shifting the responsibility back onto people that already have a huge burden on them.
10: The commissioner is still awaiting a response from the provincial health officer, but in the meantime, intends to continue to highlight the human rights implications of the decisions that have been made. We're at a point we all
2: want to take our masks off, but it's one measure that we can do that's a minor inconvenience that could have significant Uh, safety implications for those who are most directly medically vulnerable to this virus. Kelly Stanton, Global News.
0: And here's a look at today's COVID-19 numbers. There are 273 people in hospital. 45 of those patients are in the ICU. That includes someone under the age of 12. There's been one more death due to complications of the virus, and we have 287 new confirmed cases. Keith Baldry joins us now with an update On where we are in B.C. when it comes to rolling out a second booster, which, of course, would be a fourth dose of vaccine. Keith?
13: Yeah, things appear to be imminent on that front, uh, Sylvie. Today, the United States Food and Drug Administration authorised a fourth dose of Pfizer, or a second booster dose, for those over the age of 50. It now goes to the Center for Disease Control for final sign-off. The track record through the pandemic, our authorities are about several weeks behind the U.S. when it comes to authorising vaccinations. But the feeling is we're not going to see necessarily a big take-up of the fourth dose because we're not seeing a big take-up of the third dose. Here's how it breaks down by age. Over 12 uh, group, only 57 percent of all people over 12 have received the third dose. Now, as we get older, we get more people getting the third dose. 63 percent of people over 30, 72 percent people over 50 and 81 percent people over 70. But keep in mind, our two dose rate is about 92 percent. We caught up with Health Minister Adrian Dix today, who says basically the older people, particularly in long term care, are going to be at the head of the line. And that line could start moving with the first dose as early as April.
5: I expect you'll see soon this is an issue under active review and uh, as you'll know um, when you get a dose is sometimes dependent on the previous doses. We've, uh, we've uh, in terms of booster doses, uh, we completed, for example, uh, everyone in long-term care or every long-term care home, not everyone got the dose, of course, but um, uh, all long-term care homes in the month of October, uh, six months from the month of October is the month of April. And so we're looking at these issues actively, and you'll hear, I think, something from uh, uh, Dr. Henry and myself very soon.
13: And by very soon, my understanding, this could be as early as uh, later this week. Again, NACI, the National Advisory Council on Immunization, is working to establish a date to approve the Pfizer vaccine for people, particularly in older age groups, as we're seeing in the United States. So good news for those looking for a fourth dose. That's going to be coming fairly quickly.
0: All right. We'll see what the uptake is when that happens.
3: Thank you, Keith. A B.C. doctor accused of spreading false information about COVID-19 has had his license suspended. Dr. Stephen Malthouse, who has been a speaker at a number of anti-mask rallies, has also been cited for signing vaccine and mask exemption forms that he knew included false statements. The College of Physicians and Surgeons says the Denman Island doctor repeatedly made claims about COVID-19 and vaccines without any objective medical evidence and provided advice to patients that was potentially harmful. Malthouse's status as a doctor will be reviewed after an investigation is complete.
0: Well, the tax deadline is looming, but before you file, Consumer Matters has some tips to maximize your return. That's next on the News Hour.
3: Prime Minister Trudeau announces new demands on the oil and gas sector, hoping the profits can help save the planet. That's coming up.
0: And the Mad Hatter of Port Coquitlam. He's a big fan of the fedora. And when you see the story, you will be too. That's later.
3: Right now, though, the tax filing deadline is a month away. And believe it or not, there are ways to save money on your taxes.
0: Consumer Matters reporter Andrea is here with a look at some of the d- deductions Credits and expenses. Easy for me to say that you can claim. Ann,
7: Thanks, Sophie. These are expenses that can be deducted from your total income for tax purposes. 2021 saw the COVID-related deductions for taxpayers using a home office increase and the introduction of a new credit for online newspaper subscriptions. If you worked from home more than 50% of the time for at least four consecutive weeks last year, you can claim home office expenses or $2 for each day you worked away from the office. The COVID credit maxed out at $400 or 200 working days when it was first introduced in 2020, but has increased to up to $500 or 250 working days for
6: 2021.
7: Anyone with children under age 16 in 2021 can claim child care expenses. RRSP contributions can be deducted from your taxes. Donations made to a registered charity last year or even in prior years can be deducted if you have a donation receipt. Tuition fees can be claimed if they were paid to an accredited post-secondary institution.
10: Hi. Hi, fine, thank you.
7: Medical expenses are tax deductible. You can claim the total of eligible expenses minus the lesser of two amounts, $2,421 or 3% of your net income. Moving expenses can be claimed by anyone who moves more than 40 kilometers to start a new job. And new for 2021, the digital news subscription is a non-refundable tax credit for amounts paid to a qualified Canadian journalism organization for eligible subscription expenses. Accountants recommend taking advantage of the tax deductions that apply to you. I don't know about you. But I feel like I'm taxed to death on everything. I turn around, I have a tax to pay here and a tax to pay there. And not that I begrudge paying taxes, I just like to pay my fair share. It's one of those things where if, you know, I know what to do with my money and I think I can do a pretty good job with it, I don't know if the government really needs more of my money. (laughs) And if you received either of the pandemic-related $500-a-week Canada recovery sickness or Canada recovery caregiving benefits, Gabrielle Lawrence says tax was deducted at 10%. That means only $50 in tax was deducted. So when the benefit is added to the rest of your income, you might end up owing some taxes. And income taxes are due April 30th, but since this date falls on a Saturday, your return will be considered on time if it's postmarked on or before May 2nd, or if your payment is received or processed by a Canadian bank before May 2nd. If you owe money and do not pay it by the deadline, the CRA will start charging you compound daily interest as of May 3rd. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All
3: right, thanks, Anne.
0: Good advice as always. Just ahead, signs of hope in Ukraine. A new promise from Russia, but a lot of people who don't believe they'll keep
3: it. Plus, a Kelowna man heading straight into the conflict.
6: Two lanes north and one south over here at the Lions Gate Bridge. Seeing minimal delays out of north and west Vancouver. Just a little slow both ways through the Stanley Park Causeway. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Centre. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Lionsgate Bridge.
3: The Indigenous delegation in Rome toured the Vatican Museums today, a day after its first private meetings with Pope Francis to talk about the Catholic Church's role in the residential school system. The museums house the church's private collection of artwork, archaeology, and historical artifacts. Among them are thousands of culturally significant indigenous pieces, some of them centuries old and rarely seen. Indigenous peoples from around the world have requested access. Private meetings will resume Thursday, and the delegates will gather with Pope Francis on Friday.
0: There is some guarded optimism as peace talks between Ukraine and Russia appear to be making some headway.
3: Russia says it's going to scale back forces near Kyiv, while Ukraine is also offering some concessions. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, any progress is overshadowed by the ferocity of the fighting and the appalling toll of the Russian attacks.
4: Russian tanks now repaired and repainted. Ukrainian troops using Russian hardware to retake cities around Kyiv. Uh,
1: CSLO, uh, 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 the
4: soldier says we kicked the Russians from here. They're now several kilometers away. We'll advance. As Ukrainian troops are gaining back territory, Russian forces have reportedly agreed to pull back from areas around the capital. Russian leaders calling it a sign of good faith. American intelligence casting doubt on that assertion. Russia has failed in its objective of capturing Kyiv. It's failed in its objective of subjugating Ukraine. But they can still inflict massive brutality on the country. Seven people are dead Tuesday after a missile strike on a government building in Mykoleyev. This woman says it's a nightmare. Another woman on her floor died in her arms. And in Kharkiv, the outskirts littered with the shells of burnt-out tanks and destroyed civilian vehicles. Ukrainians continuing to hold ground that Russians have been trying to occupy for more than a month. This soldier says a civilian was executed here, on the side of the highway. As the fighting continues, the refugee crisis intensifies. Evacuees from Mariupol describe the deteriorating conditions facing the people who remain trapped. This refugee from Mariupol says she got out on the 15th. Even now, she says, I can't find many of the families that stayed there with children. They disappeared. The war may have entered a new phase Tuesday. The two sides sitting down face to face in Istanbul. Turkey's president brokering what could be the best chance at ending the invasion. But while talks continue... There is no end in sight to the fighting. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
0: Millions of Ukrainians have fled their homeland since the Russian invasion, with thousands likely to make their way here to B.C. Starting over in a new country, of course, is daunting. But as Richard Zussman reports, many in this province are working together to make sure they will have the support they need.
1: Yeah. These are some of the first cheers in a long process. The first wave of immigrants from Ukraine, this group in Edmonton, now arriving here. The expectation is at least 10,000 Ukrainian refugees, mainly women, children and seniors, will settle in Canada with many unknowns that's the biggest you know we don't
9: have a target we don't have a time frame and we don't know where they're going to settle
1: without knowing where they will settle planning even harder the federal government has offered settlement programs including language training and employment assistance but there are some services refugees don't have access to yet
13: will these people fleeing violence in ukraine have the full suite of supports housing health care Uh, language training, all of those things, because those are the things that are required for people to uh, settle well in country and and be supported.
1: And it's not just Ottawa. The province will need to set up income support for refugees, getting kids in schools, ensuring they have health care, including mental health supports, and the biggest challenge, finding a home in a province where there are very few available. I
9: believe that there will be a call for action for the private sector, for
1: uh, private citizens um, to uh, consider um, hosting. In some crowded neighborhoods, it may be a challenge to get into the local school. But the international student fee will be waived for any Ukrainian arriving here. On the health care front, the province will also be waiving the three-month waiting period to access services.
13: We're working very closely with uh, the Ukrainian Congress here in BC and other service providers to make sure that those answers are there for British Columbians.
1: What is also unknown, on top of many unknowns, is where in the province the settlement will take place. But the commitment is the same. No matter how many Ukrainians arrive in BC, how long they stay, or where they call home, they will get the support they need. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
3: A Kelowna man who says he's former military is off to Ukraine to fight and to help with humanitarian efforts. I can't let my old buddies, you know, fight this by themselves. I have to go help them. It's it's personal for me. The man who we're not identifying for safety reasons says he served in the French Foreign Legion, and many of the men
14: he served with were Ukrainian. At the end of the day, this is there there's no moral questioning about this war. It is an aggressor uh, trying to defeat and bully essentially a weaker uh, people who did nothing wrong. They never asked for this. And so at the end of the day, I feel uh, it's my moral duty to do something. I can't stand by and sit here and do nothing about it. He says he'll be part of what's known known as the
3: Norman Brigade, a coalition of volunteers working closely with the Ukrainian military
0: coming up on the news hour the sixth wave
14: many people have bought into the narrative that covid is over
0: infections tick up with a new variant reminding us the pandemic isn't over
3: but first a brewery break in what happened when police arrived
8: The
6: evening commute is winding down over here at the downtown bridges. Burrard Street Bridge is moving well in both directions. The Gramble Street Bridge is another good option in and out of the downtown core. And busy as usual, southbound at the south end of the Camby Street Bridge towards the lights at Broadway. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the downtown bridges.
3: A suspect and a police officer both ended up in hospital after a break-in at a Burnaby Brew Pub.
0: RCMP responded to an alarm at Studio Brewing in the Metrotown area early Monday and found the suspect still there. A struggle ensued and the officer eventually used a conductive energy weapon. The suspect was taken to hospital along with the officer who suffered a minor injury. The brew pub sustained significant damage in the break-in but reopened for business at noon today.
3: Investigators are working tonight to pinpoint what caused a deadly fire in Brampton, Ontario, where five members of the same family were killed. The tragedy underscores the importance of smoke alarms, something the family had recently removed. Global's Karen Lieberman shows us why.
10: I just really hope that um, next time, you know, in scenarios like this, people are more careful with um, the surroundings of their home when it comes to um, fire alarms and um, smoke detectors and are more vigilant about it.
11: A potentially life-saving message from the sister of 28-year-old Nazir Ali, who died Monday along with his wife and their three young children. As investigators continue to search for the cause of the deadly house fire, they're urging others...
14: I implore everybody watching, please, right now, make sure you have working smoke alarms, a working carbon monoxide alarm, and a home escape plan.
11: On Monday, Raven O'Day Ali's grieving father who also lost his grandchildren, Layla, Jaden and Alia in the fire, suggested the smoke alarms in the home had been taken down for a recent renovation.
4: People have to
12: wake up. We have the wrong notion that, you know, it's not going to happen to me. Oh, the fire was there, but it's not going to happen to me. Check your alarms. Take time to check your alarms. You love your kids. Check them.
11: It's been a deadly start to the year in Ontario for house fires, and officials are urging people to practice better fire safety.
14: And we're finding no working smoke alarms, smoke alarms with batteries removed in this immediate vicinity where five people just died. It's, it's honestly, it's completely unacceptable. We have to do better.
11: Ontario's fire marshal says it comes down to this.
14: A simple battery-powered smoke alarm that can cost you 10 to $15 will save your life and save your family.
10: My um, nieces and nephew they were very, they really loved people for who they were and not what they had. And I feel like that's a really beautiful quality. And um, I just, I, I can't believe I won't see them again.
11: Karen Lieberman, Global News.
0: The author of a report into Child Welfare Services for Indigenous Youth in B.C. calls the findings troubling. The study found the amount of funding for First Nations, Métis and Inuit children depended on where they lived. Those on reserve received money from the federal government, whereas those off-reserve were funded by the provincial government at much lower rates. The report says the disparities amount to fiscal discrimination by a government that needs to do more to advance reconciliation.
10: The problem is that provincial funding for Indigenous children and families in BC has not kept up and, in fact, has left some children behind. The result is a confusing and inequitable mixture of funding depending on where children and families reside.
0: The report also called for an urgent overhaul of practices to make funding data for indigenous child welfare services more accessible and transparent.
3: Epidemiologists say Canada is experiencing the start of a sixth COVID-19 wave. The spring spread across the country is being driven mostly by Omicron's BA.2 subvariant arriving just as restrictions like masking begin to ease. But as Global's Jamie Morocco reports, the severity of this surge compared to previous ones is still unclear. Just
2: as fast as politicians said it was time for people to take masks off, health experts are now recommending we put them back on.
14: Many people have bought into the narrative that COVID is over. um, So they're not going to be looking forward to it.
2: The unpopular suggestion comes as cases of Omicron subvariant, BA2, or stealth Omicron ramps up. In Quebec, long-term care homes and frontline workers are experiencing new outbreaks. In Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, there's a rise in frontline workers becoming infected too. Water data from Ontario reveals COVID cases have been trending upwards since the start of the month, as major cities in Alberta are experiencing the same. And there are signs COVID transmission in BC is increasing as well. Infectious diseases physician Alison McGear has been watching the numbers and says the time to act is now. If we decide
6: now that we are going to do something, um, then we can mitigate most of this. The longer we wait, the bigger the wave
2: gets. Stealth Omicron has been blamed for the latest tsunami of spread in China and infection numbers at or approaching records in Europe, notably Germany, France and the UK. Based on what's happening abroad, experts say Canadians who have already had COVID could catch it again. Although rare, the subvariant has been found to infect those who had the original Omicron variant.
3: We're in a wave, it's just not quite clear how big this wave is going to be and how significantly it's going to impact
5: us.
2: That, experts say, will come down in part to our collective actions. Whether we react by getting boosted and implementing personal protective measures or choose to ignore the warnings. Jamie Marocker, Global News, Toronto.
0: Coming up, vintage fashion with a modern flair. Good
5: to see you. Yeah, you too.
0: A Port Coquitlam man with a growing list of customers who come to his garage for his custom hats.
3: And puppies aren't supposed to look like this why this little guy got the name Lucky anyway.
0: All right, some breaking news to bring you now from downtown Vancouver, where anti-mandate protesters have gathered outside the Fairmont Hotel Vancouver.
3: We'll show you a live shot now from Global One. As you can see, a few dozen, maybe 50 or so protesters are rallying outside the hotel because that's where Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is tonight, attending two liberal fundraisers. You can see a line of security possibly Vancouver police preventing the protesters from getting down the driveway there. But they are stepping out into traffic on Burrard and there are some delays in the area. So keep that in mind if you're heading downtown this evening. Well, the PM is in Vancouver announcing his government's plan to meet Canada's oil and gas emissions goals in just eight years.
0: As Ted Trinecki reports, critics point out the promises are coming from the same government that's full speed ahead on pipeline construction.
5: There's nothing quite like a war and international sanctions to get the profits rolling in the oil and gas sector. At the Globe Forum in Vancouver today, Ottawa said it's time for those profits to be spent very differently. The
13: oil
9: and gas sector will have to reduce uh, its emissions by over 30% from 2005 levels and over 40% by uh, from today's levels, which is a significant responsibility and lift for them to do.
5: Canada's emissions reduction plan is costed at 9.1 billion dollars, aimed at cutting oil and gas emissions by 42% from 2005 levels in just eight years. It calls for clean energy and electricity projects, efforts to conserve wetlands that store carbon, extend incentives for zero-emission vehicles including more charging stations, and all light-duty vehicles sold by 2035 have to be zero emission. It cannot be business as usual. But that's what it is, says SFU professor and treetop protester who was arrested at the Trans Mountain Pipeline Expansion Project last fall. While he lodged many of the targets in the plan, the elephant in the room, he believes, is Canada's plan to simply export our pollution, meaning in reality, emissions can't be reduced.
14: Unless you pretend uh, we don't live on one planet and it's not one atmosphere. And that's what the government is doing. They're trying to say they're climate champions when they're building new fossil energy infrastructure that will increase emissions.
5: Both the Trans Mountain Expansion Project in the south and the coastal gas link line in the north are more than half built. But Canada's federal environment minister says this is a generational opportunity. Economic opportunities in a net zero world Getting there will be the key economic driver of our generation. A carbon capture tax credit, phasing out coal-fired electricity generation, reducing oil and gas methane by 75% by 2030, all play heavily into this plan. Ted Shernaki, Global News.
0: Right, time to bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at our weather forecast, and she is dressed like a blossom, a cherry blossom, or perhaps a plum blossom.
3: Either or. (laughs)
15: Yes, I'm so glad you noticed because that was on purpose. You're exactly right, Sophie. Yeah, you know, last night we were talking about uh, the fact that they're not just cherry blossoms, even though we always call them cherry blossoms, but there's a lot of plum blossoms out there as well. And those of you that love plums uh, have been in defense or plum blossoms have been in defense of that. So here's a look at how you can tell the difference. Cherry blossoms actually have a little slit at the top of the petal. Can you see that in these images here? So if there's a little slit at the top of The petal that is a cherry blossom, whereas plum blossoms do not have that. They tend to have a more oval or rounded shape at the tip of their petal. And you can see a pollinator there in the plum blossom. So, plums on the way, everyone. We do have uh, strong winds expected for the North Coast Haida Gwaii just for this evening. It will ease off overnight, but it does mean a dust advisory for the inland regions. It's a very dusty time of year, but this low pressure center is definitely going to stir things up a bit. We do have a front that's going to move across our region. So, showers expected overnight. We'll see them develop this evening tomorrow very spotty conditions don't leave home without a rain jacket we have a 40 percent chance of showers and a very slight risk of an isolated thunder shower expected as well those of you in the interior also a slight chance of an isolated shower or thundershower and that's particularly williams lake down towards kamloops for our area again we will see some sunshine but don't leave home without a rain jacket you may need it here and there overall though not a bad couple of days in store for us just a few showers expected over Tonight, Tonight's center windows weather window comes to you from Crescent Beach looking out towards Burnaby. That's a stunning shot. Thanks so much to Stacy for that one. And we had two from Crescent Beach, my hometown, so I had to show you two. Another great shot. Thanks to Donna for that. Pretty gorgeous
0: sunset or I think it's a sunset.
3: I think you're right. We'll go with that. Yeah, over there, you're right.
0: All right, he's a little late for St. Patrick's Day, but a new puppy in the community of Armstrong is still making his mark. <laughs>
3: Lucky stands out as the last puppy in a litter of seven born on Saturday. He came out green. He's a purebred St. Bernard, and after a bit of a shaky start, he's eating well and he's gaining weight. He
10: came out not breathing, so I had to resuscitate him. And then he still had a hard time breathing because he had a lot of fluid in his lungs. So I... I spent almost an hour and a half trying to get life into him, and he's a fighter. He he survived it. From what I'm told, it's one in every 10,000 puppies.
5: Lucky's not just lucky, special.
10: He's very special.
3: The green colouring is believed to be a result of the puppy making contact with a green pigment called biliverdin, while in the womb, the bad news, or good news, depending on your preference for the colour is it usually fades away over time.
0: We wouldn't so. be able to have him in our green studio.
3: <laughs> no, he disappeared.
9: <laughs> <point. here>. You <laughs> would never see him. A good name would have been Kermit as well. That's really? true. That would have been great. Being good. at his green. Okay, um, we're going to talk about uh, the Canucks who are back home after that road trip. Um, the NHL is going to give teams a chance to spend a bit more money. The NFL has changed its postseason overtime, and we're also going to look back at a man who was... Uh, Left quite a legacy in B.C. sports.
3: Look forward to all that. Thanks, Squire.
0: Also coming up, grab a hat from the garage. The poco designer with a head for business.
3: All right, Squire's here with sports. The Canucks run out of games here.
9: They are running out of games. There is still a chance. Maybe I'm a half. Full kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Half glass full, I should say. The uh, four-game road trip the Canucks just finished was actually, I thought, a success despite losing in St. Louis last night. They did get five out of a possible eight points against tough teams. There were no easy ones in that quartet. Now they play seven of their next nine games at home. That sounds great. However, home is one of the reasons the Canucks are not in a playoff spot right now. The Canucks' house has not been a home enough times this season. Vancouver has won the lead not the least amount of games in the Western Conference at home, but it's low in that category. Tomorrow they play St. Louis again at Rogers Arena. Bruce Boudreaux needs his guys to be a lot better than they were last night. He was not happy with
14: his team's performance. Individually we weren't very good as a team. We weren't very good. I mean there was wasn't guy there wasn't uh, a lot of, of forwards that played that the way that they are capable of playing. Um, But, I mean, that's, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not going to dissect everybody's play up uh, individually. Um, We just, I didn't think we're in it. Like, I mean, even though we were out shooting them and maybe had a little bit of territorial edge, I didn't think we we were in it tonight at all.
9: Well, hopefully they're in it tomorrow. This is going to make a lot of NHL teams feel a whole lot better, especially the Canucks, who are looking to uh, save every dollar they can underneath the salary cap. Today it was revealed the NHL salary cap will rise by $1 million for next season, going up to $82.5 million. It's not a lot, but the uh, cap did not move up the last two seasons because of revenues being down from COVID. Austin Matthews trying to reach 50. He's at uh, forty-eight in Boston tonight. Here he sets up his buddy Mitch Marner. Nice goal. That made it 4-1 for Toronto. Now the Leafs get Matthews a goal. Numero 49. He's never reached 50 in his career but he will this time unless a disaster happens between now and the end of the season. The NFL is changing its overtime but only for the playoffs. Now in the postseason both teams will now get one offensive possession each, even if the first team with the ball scores a touchdown. After each team has a possession, the one who scores first after that wins. But the rule change does not apply to regular season overtime. That'll stay the same. In the regular season, if a team who gets the ball first scores a touchdown, they'll be the winners. If they only score a field goal, the other team will get a chance to have an offensive possession for the tie or win. This is Tiger Woods' plane. Why am I showing you this? He's in Augusta, Georgia. Apparently, he played a practice round at Augusta National today with his son and Justin Thomas. Woods is trying to see if he's healthy enough to play in this year's Masters. Nice playing. Well, on the weekend, Glenn Todd died at the age of 75. Now, Todd is a member of the B.C. Sports Hall of Fame for his work in softball. But Todd was really a two-sport star in this province as a builder. Glenn Todd was not an athlete. But there are many athletes who benefited from his ideas, his financial backing, and his belief in them, mostly in women's softball and horse racing, where Glenn was
5: both an owner and a trainer. Uh, Glenn Todd, one year, was the leader in stake wins in North America. He raced not only at Hastings. He ran in California, Washington, Arizona, Alberta. He ran at many racetracks in the United States. He first made an impact
9: in women's softball when he formed the highly successful White Rock Renegades in 1986.
14: Another Canada Cup rule.
9: From this, he thought up the idea of the Canada Cup Fast Pitch Tournament, bringing in the best teams from around the world, which in turn helped make Canada's national team a contender at the highest levels.
5: I think Glenn could be credited as a a foundational builder for the Canadian national women's team. So I can honestly say the women's national team would not be where it is today. And we're now celebrating a bronze medal for our women's team. Uh, We would not, I don't think, have that without Glenn's uh, seed uh, uh, support back in the early days.
9: And there are a lot of stories about organizations
5: and people needing Glenn to help them succeed. He launched the career of Mario Gutierrez, a two-time Kentucky Derby winner, a local rider here. And he set him off on the path to success. Having been raised by a racetrack
9: family, Glenn's love for Hastings never wavered. He tried to encourage new owners to get involved in racing. And when COVID threatened to shorten a season at Hastings Park,
5: he bet on its future. People were going to lose their jobs. Horses were going to go to other jurisdictions, maybe not come back. And Glenn st- stepped up to the plate and offered a $1 million dollar interest-free loan, so we could keep racing. Glenn Todd liked to build organizations and people, and if he stepped
9: on a few toes while walking into the sunset, he'd probably say with no malice, sometimes that's just the way it has to go.
5: Glenn could be pretty forceful when he had his ideas, and like he used to tell me, if you want to be popular and not a leader, run an ice cream stand. <laughs>
9: he's a good guy he'll be missed
5: with a good
3: sense of humor too great profile thanks very much squire
0: up next the port coquitlam man creating classic headgear in his garage when you think of icons like humphrey bogart frank sinatra harrison ford you probably picture them in a fedora
3: the hats may have fallen out of fashion but a port coquitlam man is reviving the classic style custom making them in his garage Jay Durant put a lid on it for This Is B.C.
14: Tinkering in the garage is taking on a much different look at Robert Galt's house. The master hatter is creating vintage styles from scratch.
12: If you came to me with a picture and said, Robert, I want this hat, I could say, okay, I can make
14: that for you. Well, good good to see you. Yeah, you too. His customer base is slowly growing. I like how the crown... Yeah. Galt took a hat-making class two years ago and has been perfecting his craft ever since. a little bit darker. In my years of collecting hats, I have bought hats and I've never seen the quality and workmanship that Robert has done. He's amassed a large collection of his own, inspired by his father at a young age. My dad, um, he
12: never left the house without his fedora.
14: Galt usually has a handful of custom orders every month, but he's also refurbishing many of his clients' old hats.
12: I get a a thrill out of taking a hat that's destined for the garbage, and I can turn it into something that's that's wearable.
14: It's a fairly small social circle of people with this common interest. Everyone has their favorite fedora-wearing celebrity,
5: which sparks the debate. Who looks best? Uh, Johnny Depp. (laughs) In my opinion, he wears it the best.
12: Bogey, you know, Bogart, that it's... He personifies, you know, the, the shot of him in, in Casablanca with, with the fedora.
14: But it's a fashion style not suited for everybody. How do I
12: wear it? Better than Johnny Depp? I kid a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going there.
14: Those who wear it wear it with pride. But be sure if you're thinking of making a splash because at $300 a pop, you don't want to keep it tucked away in a box.
12: There's no point buying a hat you know, as a, as an impulse buy And then, and this happens a lot, it's kind of like exercise equipment, it gets thrown in the closet. you never, never to be seen again. Jay Durant, Global News.
0: Also from Gorman.
12: (laughs) Yeah,
3: you've done it.
0: Yeah, we've all done that. If you know (laughs) someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca.
3: You pointed it out, Squire. just need a little press yeah, those Jamie old movies. Mm-hmm. The
9: guy, the reporter, always had press in the
3: band of the hat. That's right. All right, Christy, enjoy that uh, sunset behind you. Hopefully, the sun pops back out. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night.
0: Have a good night.